happy Monday and good morning. I'm Sanaa and it is so good to be with you all today. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. Every Monday morning, I'm joined by experts from across the country who are investigating our most pressing social issues and common curiosities. Over the next hour, you'll learn about their inspirations, motivations, and of course, what they know about the world around us. So grab that cup of coffee and get ready for a fun and insightful conversation. Whether you have children in school or not, you have probably been swept up in conversations or news about K-12 education. From online learning to masks in schools, critical race theory, what's happening in the classroom or not happening has dominated headlines over the past year and a half. Colleges, too, have had to make changes in instruction to accommodate health and safety needs. And today, we're going to dive deeper into how the shift to online instruction in K-12 offers unique opportunities and challenges for educators, students, families, and education overall. Joining me this morning is Dr. Will Damport. He is a district instructional technologist for the Hattiesburg School District in Mississippi, serving grades K through 12. He is also a digital transformation strategist, writer, podcaster, and consultant. Prior to taking on a full-time instructional technology role, he was a social media strategist for a career development company. He is best known for his work in assisting educators in going digital and has helped schools leverage the power of technology to reimagine the learning experiences of their students. Good morning, Will. Welcome to the show. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yes, it is so good to have you here with us this morning to talk about a topic that I feel like people probably hear a lot about and maybe even have strong feelings about, but I kind of feel like they probably don't know that much about. And so I'm so happy to have you with all of your wealth of knowledge join us here this morning and give us, you know, the inside scoop and some clarity on these conversations around online learning. So let's just start with a little bit more about your background in online instruction. All right, well, I have experience uh, definitely uh, as a student and for the past nine years, I've been a district instructional technologist uh, with Hattiesburg Public School District. And in the year uh, second, of my job, we received a grant uh, for our district to to roll out a digital initiative, which consisted of uh, our secondary schools really becoming one-to-one digital classes, which meant that every class would have a cart of Chromebooks. And from there, we had to choose, you know, a learning management system to make all of that happen. And we uh, did so. And part of my job was teaching teachers, you know, how do you teach online and how do you teach in a blended learning in environment? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think it's so different, you know, teaching face-to-face versus teaching online is not something that people can just automatically switch to overnight. So could you tell us maybe some of um some of the ways you prepare teachers to do this online instruction? 
Well, first of all, I tell them to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times people get caught up in the, the shiny of what they're hearing. So if you are a teacher and let's say you get online, you get on Twitter, or you get on somewhere and you, you hear about stuff like uh, Flipgrid, you hear about stuff like Seesaw, you hear all of these tools pop up. A lot of times people, ooh, 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 it's like, uh, you know, squirrel, squirrel. They get, they get just chasing all of these things. And what I tell teachers is, uh, let's keep it very simple. Mm-hmm. Let's start with what the district pays for. And once you're comfortable and you have your, your routine together and you know what you're doing, then we can add some additional things. But don't, you know, just put everything on your plate because like last year, uh, the Bitmoji, was just like everything. All the K through 12 teachers had it. And someone even came to me with it. And I said, don't worry about that right now. I'm not teaching y'all how to do that uh, because we're going to keep this thing very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Always start with your standards or your learning objectives. Let that be the guide, not the tech. Mm-hmm. And understand that you have to chunk your material. And that just means that you have to create instruction and bite-sized uh, pieces for your students to be able to digest them. Mm-hmm. Because whether you're in higher ed or you're in K through 12, the instructor is used to going from the time this thing starts to the time this thing ends. And you would have a lot of people just going, okay, all of my PDFs, all of my uh, PowerPoints, I'm just going to throw them online. And, hey, I use it in face-to-face, throw it online. And no, that is not what you want to do you really want to chunk it and again, turn it into smaller bite-sized uh, pieces for students to be able to digest based upon that standard or learning objective you want to do. Um, and you also want to be very engaging, mm-hmm. meaning keeping kid, the, your students involved, asking them questions, putting them in breakout rooms where they can collaborate together, having them do things and not just sit there and listen to you talk. And then you need to limit the how much time you spend, even though your, I don't care, university, and let's say your, your time is an hour and 15 minutes runtime. Mm-hmm. Don't keep them people on a Zoom for an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes because they're going to, folks are going to be zoning out. And then sometimes they're going to start looking at their phones. They're going to do all kinds of stuff. You want to keep it real tight mm-hmm. and then get them engaged and then get out. And the same thing with K through 12. I tell teachers all the time, uh, if you have like really younger kids at the elementary level, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. When you move into secondary level, you know, let's go 25, 30. Don't push that thing. Because you're going to find that students are going to start to get that glazed over look. And at some point in time, as we we have learned and a lot of teachers got online, complained about it, they just stopped showing up. And of course, they're going to stop showing up because they have six to eight classes. No one is going to spend an hour a day. For eight hours online, no one wants to do that. Not a college student, and for sure, not some 10-year-old wants to do that as well. So you want to make sure, again, you make that instruction short, quality instruction based upon the standard, and then let your students go and do that independent work. 
and you know, have office hours. You can yourself can stay on a Zoom and have students look. If you have any issues, have any questions, send me a message or hop on this Zoom in this time and we can work together. But don't get up there and do that because as an adult, you don't want to do it. <laughs> right? I mean, let's let's be honest. When you work in education, all of us have these quote unquote uh PD days where or these faculty meetings where you get together and do all those things. Most teachers don't want to have that meeting. So <laughs> why would you subject your students to that meeting times eight mm-hmm. in an online environment where you want to, where you're just going to talk most of the time? So that, I mean, that's the, the key is just making sure that you're giving them the right instruction, but you're letting them go. Cause I tell teachers all the time, if you're working harder than your students, then you're doing it wrong. Mm. right so your direct instruction is supposed to be the setup mm-hmm. for them to do the independent work on their own where you can provide guidance and feedback not for you to lead the whole show mm. I think that's so key because I often think you know sometimes folks have the idea that teachers are supposed to do um, all of the heavy lifting versus providing students with the tools so that they can actually apply the learning, kind of make mistakes even, but Mm -hmm. that helps them actually learn and digest the material. And I love this idea of, you know, even having office hours during, you know, the, the class time so that students can, if they, you know, they can work on the assignment there and they know you're there, So if they have a question, they can ask it, which I think is great um, because as we know, we learn through doing. Mm -hmm. And so it's, but it's great to have that support there. So when we get stuck or like, wait a minute, I don't think this is how they explained it. I think I missed a step. Um, We have someone there, but I think that's kind of a different way of thinking about it because I think a lot of folks think the teacher is just supposed to be up there just talking, (laughs) giving it their all for the entire course period. And that wouldn't happen in a classroom. Um, And certainly, as you mentioned, um, not via Zoom either, because that Zoom fatigue is very real. Now, yes. Now, could you talk a little bit more about the differences in that face-to-face mode of instruction versus online? I mean, we kind of inherently talked about some of them, but I just want to give people a real feel for what educators have had to do over this year um, with, you know, in some cases, very little prior kind of training or even, to be honest, prior desire to teach in that sort of format. Yeah, these past two years have really been for a lot of teachers trying to put a Band-Aid on a boat that's sinking. Mm. And the good thing about that is if there is a a silver lining is school districts got a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And with that money, they bought devices for students. They bought devices for classrooms. They bought Promethean panels that help with teaching. They bought learning management systems. You know, a lot of school districts who could never afford that were able to do that. They were able to, able to upgrade their Internet. They were able to do all kinds of things to bring that school district into the 21st century because some of them were not in that shape. Uh, so that was definitely, you know, a blessing, a silver lining through all of this. When you're, you're looking at 
the teaching teaching face to face. What I try to tell teachers is sort of let's keep sort of that same framework, meaning um, if you teach in K through 12, you're familiar with something called gradual release, which simply means I do, we do, you do. So the teacher models, then the we do guided practice, we do this together. And then the you do your independent practice, you are on your own. And so I do, I work with teachers, I do the same thing. So online, there's all, all kind of online models that you can zoom, you know, uh, Google. There's Dick Carey and Carey. Everyone has heard about the Addy model and those things. Now, to me, they're very complicated for a K through 12 space. So I keep it, let's work with the model we are familiar with, which is gradual release. So I walk them through saying, okay, now your gradual release, we're going to do this through Zoom if we're going to be in an online or in a hybrid environment. But what you're going to do is, again, we're going to do it this way. Mm. Then we're going to set up in our learning management system, we're going to have our bell ringer, which two or three questions, five to seven minutes for students to do. Then we're going to go into our guided practice, which we're going to take our curriculum, which normally is a paper curriculum. But what we're going to do, we're going to use a tool called Cami which allows students to type, annotate, underline, highlight that document mm -hmm. where students can then, again, they're working with the teacher. So as the teacher is at the Promethean panel and they're working, students are working with their teacher and they're able to actually submit that work and the teacher can go ahead and review and give them feedback. And then when we go to the independent practice, that's why I tell teachers, let's, look at what well, the first thing I do is it's all about just getting them to use it and repurpose our curriculum in a digital fashion because most curriculum that school districts purchase wasn't designed for a digital world. Mm -hmm. So I show them how do we make it engaging and how do we make it digital? But most of that will be DLK1, DLK2. So for those who are not familiar, that is just recall that's just like if someone to ask you five times five and you say 25, right? Because we've been, that's how we learn, five times five, 25. So we're talking about just basic recall. Mm -hmm. A lot of what's happening is going to be basic recall, like multiple choices, very recall. What I'm trying to do at some point is once we're comfortable, let's move to DLK3, DLK4. Now we're talking about synthesizing information. Now we're talking about applying the information. Now we're talking about creating things with these tools in order for students to prove and provide evidence of their understanding. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Dr. Walker uh, taught biology and she was covering biomes. Now you would normally go to a classroom, you'll see kids walking down the hall with their shoe boxes where they've created a biome, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have these digital tools now, which allow kids to uh, become creative. Mm -hmm. And so she had her students use Adobe Spark to create a survivor video. Mm -hmm. So basically she said, okay, this is your biome. You are going to crash land in that biome and I want you to create a video explaining to us what you're seeing and what you need to survive in that in that biome now the kids still had to do 
the research on what is a tundra or what is a desert. Mm-hmm. But now they're using these tools to create that video and they're making it more interesting, more engaging. And if we're looking at the SAMRA model, now we're talking about redefinition mm-hmm. on the higher end of what, what do we want kids to do with the technology. And it was awesome to see those videos because one, I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to see here. I don't know what to expect. But to watch it, I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. because it gave them greater ownership of their learning over a worksheet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what we want. You know, I was having a conversation uh, with my coach today and I will, you know, as we're talking about this and I was saying, you know, when you're that teacher and that student who's 18, 20 and they they walk up to you at Walmart or Starbucks. And they say, hey, how you doing, Miss So-and-so? They're not doing that because you gave them a worksheet. <laughs> right. They're not doing that. Those kids who remember you like that and are excited to see you, they doing it because they either had a great relationship with you or your class was very exciting. They did stuff in your classroom. They had a great time doing things. They learned a lot in your classroom. And you don't get that from the worksheet and you don't get that from the lecture. I mean, even in, in, in higher ed where again, higher ed is built upon the lecture. When you have those professors who have those classes where kids have projects and they do things and they do things outside of the research paper, which again is the standard. Mm-hmm. Those kids take more from that class than they do. Cause I wrote a paper. Yeah, And that's where, when I'm talking to teachers about how do we teach online and how do we use these tools? I know we're going to start here with the baby steps with just recall and remote memorization. Boom. DOK one, DOK two. But at some point, as we're looking at the SAMR, trying to go from substitution and augmentation to modification and redefinition, DOK three, DOK four is how can your students use these tools to provide evidence, but do so in a way in which they're creating something. Mm-hmm. So your students can create, create a podcast, mm-hmm. right? Where they are, like I'm interviewing a historical figure. They're still doing the same research, the same reading, but how are they providing that evidence of understanding? Mm-hmm. So it's not them, I'm going to write this little essay, I'm going to write this paper, but they're gaining these real knowledge, real world skills with these tools. But again, they're doing it in a, in a very creative way. And as we're looking at the world of work in which we live in, as we have seen, those who can use these tools with their jobs still kept a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm loving that. You know, I got so excited when you were talking about that <laughs> science project. I was like, oh, that's fun. And, you know, something you mentioned too, you know, if there is a silver lining, that silver lining of being school districts that maybe didn't have all the resources, now really it was a push and mandate to get them, you know, some sort of Chromebook or laptop for all their students to make sure their students had access to Wi-Fi to make, you know, all these different things that, you know, we can oftentimes take for granted that everyone is has access to Wi-Fi or everyone has a computer. And it's simply not true. We have a major digital divide in this country. And so absolutely bringing, you know, a, a lot of school districts up to what we think, you know, was already the standard, but actually bringing them up to it is definitely a silver lining. And having these assignments 
that are more creative. Like I got excited. I know the students are way more <laughs> excited than I am. And I'm pretty excited just listening to you. Um, but, you know, having things that students actually enjoy doing. I know students hate writing the papers and hate writing the essays. And so just thinking about, you know, creating a survivor video or, you know, other creative ways to demonstrate your learning. I mean, even in the college level, I try not to give too many essays or long research papers for that reason, and at least give students the opportunity to, if they wanna do a creative project, they can. Uh, but it's exciting to hear that in K through 12, that, educators are giving students more creative opportunities because oftentimes by the time students get to college, they have kind of been conditioned to write the paper and write the essay that in many ways, when you say you can do whatever you would like to do, they kind of are like, well, I don't even, I don't know what I like to do or how I would even do it. Um, so it's exciting to know that you know, K through 12 educators are learning these different tools and tech and that they get to share that with their students. So that's exciting. Definitely. I mean, it, it gets me, you know, giddy when I get to observe it, you know, when I get to see it or when a teacher, you know, calls me in to see it. And, and some things that we've done and we did this in our district before the pandemic. We were using these uh, video conferencing tools to bring in experts into the classroom, mm. right? So we had a teacher, she, the same teacher, Dr. Walker, she taught biology. Her brother was an admissions specialist at a medical school. And he came in and talked to her students about med school and talked to her students about the importance of you know, science and doing the work and giving them sort of that a real world experience of this is why you do what you do in class. Right. This is not we, we're not here just to waste your time, but this is like a career option for them. And they were able to ask them questions, you know, about medical school and how do you get in and those things. And then we had a, a culinary arts teacher who brought in a restaurant tour and chef mm -hmm. and they prepared prepared questions before the interview and gave it to him and they were just, you know, and again, you know, you don't, I'm sitting here like, I, I don't know what they're going to give <laughs> to this person. And so I'm going in and I'm seeing it and they're asking them like, what are your favorite herbs to cook with? Uh, yeah. Like, well, I said, Oh my gosh, this is going to be kind of good. <laughs> and ask, you know, and what do you look for in an employee? Wow. <laughs> and, and, and just having them do that and then having him say, I do this and, you know, out of my two restaurants, you know, we do this. I'm looking for this. I like to cook with this and even talk about his life because he was a scientist and he was like, I'm uh, I'm kind of bored. I love cooking. And so he went to culinary art school. So to talk about his journey and those things. So, again, that learning they're taking by bringing in real world experts mm -hmm. that can not only sort of tell them what's going on, but they can themselves ask a question and be able to look at the possibilities of how what they're learning actually has a direct correlation to the world of work or the world outside of them. Again, give students a different sort of motivation mm -hmm. to do the work as opposed to why we got to do this because I said so. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's nothing like having a guest speaker in class. You know, students get so tired <laughs> of their instructor, even if they love them, it's just something about having that new face <laughs> that students always get that extra energy for. Um, so it's so great to be able to have guest speakers and like you said, make those real world connections because that's what makes learning exciting for students. Like you said, when they can actually apply it, um, whether it's kind of through the mode of learning or through actual things they're interested in. I love that. Well, let's take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sanaa and I'm here with Dr. Will Damport and we are talking about online instruction and education and some of the opportunities that kind of this massive shift to online instruction has afforded um, particularly K through 12 educators. Um, before the break, we were talking about ways that online instruction allowed educators to show students how they could take ownership over their learning um, through a lot of different creative ways. And I think that's so important when students feel ownership over their learning, they're more invested, uh, more motivated. And so that makes me really excited. Now, You've given me some great examples of some different things educators have been able to do now that we are in this online environment. And I'm wondering, has there been anything that kind of surprised you around online learning, whether even the creativity from some of your instructors or even the things that you were like, I can finally implement this um, and get educators on board with this since we are, you know, we are definitely doing the online <laughs> instruction. I think what uh, surprised me the most was just how much could be done mm. with the right tool. Yeah. Right. So there were teachers who, who on Twitter, uh, a lot of the sort of pushback was about sort of the hybrid high flex teaching because you had students on different schedules, right? So, so for those schools who did not go completely virtual to sort of navigate uh, the spread uh, of COVID, they said, okay, well, some of you will go to school on, on A days and some of you will go to school on B days. So essentially they had kids joining on at Zoom at home, kids in the classroom, and they were having to teach at the same time. And for some teachers, like this is driving me uh, bunkers. But with the right tools, it's a lot easier to do. So I've even witnessed our own teachers because you have, let's say we have Promethean panels. Mm -hmm. And so with the Promethean panel, the teacher could join the Zoom on the Promethean panel and share the screen. Mm -hmm. And what that would do is, whether they have a Schoology, a whiteboard, a website, a video, whatever was on their Promethean board that the kids saw in the classroom, the kids at home saw the same thing. Mm -hmm. So she, the teacher was delivering one lesson to the same group of kids. But what they had to do, and this was done, you know, masterfully uh, by Miss Patton, masterfully uh, by Miss uh, Cicely Jones, is you just have to teach and not get caught up in this is technology. And what I mean by that is Ms. Patton could, would say, uh, okay, we're, we're gonna work on number three. And so 
she would look at her laptop and say, Jamal, what are we going to be doing right here? The distributive property. Yes. And then in her classroom, go, Kim, what do we do with the distributive property? Mm-hmm. And so Kim would tell what we do with that step. Uh-huh. Go back to the computer. And so she wasn't just like focusing on, let me look at this computer, make sure the kids are here. She was actually just teaching like she would normally teach. So she involved the kids at home into the classroom in school and the kids in the classroom had the kids at home. Yeah. So it was a, it was a one experience. And so I was like, yo, this is dope. And then she had an iPad. So she was walking around the room too. I was like, well, you go do that patent. <laughs> uh, and so the tools allowed her to just do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what really was like, oh my gosh, with the right tools, yeah. We can do almost anything. Mm-hmm. And that is what really I said, okay, now that I'm seeing this, we need to push this out to everybody in the district so that they themselves can get to that point. Because again, a lot of people were like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to create this instruction for these students and I'm going to do these. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Too much work, too much work. Yeah. We're going to create one in, you know, classroom instruction in Schoology and everybody will join in. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, oh, I'm like, yeah, you're feeling it right. You're feeling it right. And so that's what uh, it was really awesome to see that sort of transpire the longer we went on. Because again, people were just trying to find their footing because unfortunately, People went home and they had too much hope in their heart mm-hmm. that August when I was going to be different, mm-hmm. right? So that March when everything shut down and people were scrambling, people went home in their heart, we're going back to normal. So a lot of teachers mentally were not prepared and they did not plan on how to teach online to, to get better. Mm-hmm. And this was all over the country. Yeah. And I'm looking at teachers going, now the numbers are higher now in July than they were when everything shut down in March. I think you need to be preparing <laughs> to be teaching online. And then a lot of schools tried it just like they did this year. A lot of schools said, hey, we're going to go back in person. And then the advisor said, Ta-da, I'm still here. (laughs) And then guess what? They had to go back home again, virtual or hybrid. Mm -hmm. And so this is where I was thinking, like, they they should not have gone home in May with the thought of we're going back. Go home, you know, go home in in May with the thought of how can I get better at this virtual thing? Because I'm going to have to continue to do this. And even universities, some of them uh kind of we you know they had the whole same thing of we're gonna bring everybody back but then they kind of we're gonna have to do some virtual stuff stuff here because I mean they're college kids mm-hmm. um you know just like high school kids or whatever they're just gonna do what they're gonna do they're gonna be out they're gonna have a good time yeah. and you just can't do that um <laughs> because that affects your numbers and so, you know, you have to have those options available. And, and that's my thing of just sort of being prepared. 
uh, as they say in the streets, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's what I, one of the things I try to tell the teachers that I work with is always be prepared, always get ready. Even our superintendent right now is, you know, in working with the teachers is making sure that all of your instruction is in our learning management system. You're ready to go because if we have to go virtual or hybrid, we don't want anyone scrambling yeah. and anyone panicking. We want to go. We've been doing this every day for weeks. We're good to go. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you kind of took me back in my mind to last year. And, you know, last summer, I was one of those, I'm going to be prepared because I was not hopeful. I was realistic. I was like, I may not be, you know, any disease expert or scientist, but I just don't think this virus is going to disappear over these next couple months. And so I definitely took the approach of I'll be prepared to deliver my course completely online, uh, much better prepared than I was, you know, in the spring because I hadn't been teaching online. I had been fully in person. I know some folks had previous experience, you know, with online learning. But I wasn't one of those professors. And so I wanted to deliver a course where students could be engaged, right, where they could learn, but that it was also fun for me. You know, I want to enjoy this time that we have together, too. And the University of Memphis took a long time, of course, like most you know, institutions did, took a long time to say, okay, we are going to be online. Um, and I said, you know, y'all aren't going to stress me out. <laughs> uh, so kind of to your point of like, you have one kind of um, lesson and you're ready to deliver it, right, in whatever format. That was me because I was like, you're not, I'm not going to sit here and make this whole online thing and then this whole face-to-face, like, right? So I also was taking that approach of, okay, how can I use the tools? that I have to make the learning as engaging as possible in whatever format it may be. And even now, you know, ready to flip back to, you know, online if need be, even though we are, you know, for right now in person. Um, but I think the fun part is learning these different tools that allow you to do things that you can't do face-to-face and importantly, allow you to engage students that you might not be able to engage as easily when you're in the classroom face-to-face. -face. Um, in some ways, the online setting um, makes it easier for students to participate, um, gives them a little more courage, um, and it's just more ways for them, I think, to participate online versus in person, which folks might be surprised to hear. Um, but I found that it has been true. Um, what about in the K through 12 setting? What kind of opportunities does online instruction bring that may not be available in face-to-face -face or maybe just available differently in face-to-face? -face? Just like you mentioned, you know, some students don't want to raise their hands to say, I don't understand, right? Yeah. Or they don't want to raise their hands to share. But if you are using a Padlet, for example, where kids can use that sticky note to either ask, the, ask a question or even share what they've learned uh, mm -hmm. today or to answer the question, you know, that's anonymous. No one knows who did that. And so they're able to participate and engage and collaborate with their, with their classmates uh, without putting themselves, 
you know, out there in the open, particularly, you know, again, no, you, you know, when someone says you understand or you're good, a lot of people are not going to raise their hand and say, no, I don't understand. Can you mm-hmm. please repeat that? Yeah. But with these tools, uh, there's a lot of ways, again, anonymously for a student to say, I understood this, but you you lost me here. Can you show us again? Mm-hmm. And so it's been a, a great way for our students to be able to share their voice that way. Yeah, definitely. I find that same thing, you know, even having the opportunity to have people, you know, drop something in the chat or, you know, respond one, two, three, you know, whatever, drop an emoji, you know, anything. Students are much uh, more, I guess, open to that. It feels less intimidating. Of course, no one wants to be the student that says, I don't get it, even though multiple students don't get it. (laughs) That is pretty much guaranteed. If one student doesn't get it, multiple are lost, but no one wants to be the person who says like, can you repeat that? Because like, you know, they don't want to be looked at as, you know, oh, you don't get it or, you know, all that, you know, kind of teasing and things like that. So I definitely have enjoyed the online instruction in ways that I didn't even, you know, think about or consider because I just always thought, oh, I'll be teaching, you know, in person, face to face. So it's definitely allowed me to expand my skill set as well. So that has been exciting. Now, for you and the teachers that you work with, um, are folks kind of on board now with online? Do they see the, you know, the great tools and the great ways that they can connect? Or do pe- are people still really um, championing that face-to-face as like the way to teach? Uh, we still got some <laughs> uh, who, you know, even when you're looking at uh, Rogers, Mm-hmm. Uh, when he talks about uh, in terms of change, you know, Rogers says, hey, you're going to have your that group of people who are going to be your leaders they are going to be out front. You are going to have that, that, that middle group and you have those who are going to be sitting there like, I don't know. Um, and we still, you know, we still have that. And I, I think for me, uh, what I am trying to do is to find opportunities for other teachers uh, to lead. And we're doing it as a school district as well. So for example, uh, we have something called Teacher Tech Thursday Mm -hmm. in which every Thursday, a teacher from the district leads a webinar Mm -hmm. on how they are integrating technology into their classroom. And so other teachers can hop on and we also record it and I put it in our learning management system for teachers to go back and view it. But they get to hear from another, not me. Mm-hmm. They get to hear, because, you know, sometimes they see me as like, okay. But <laughs> they get to hear from another teacher talking about stuff that I have talked about, but from their colleague saying, oh, hey, this is how I implement this in my classroom. Mm-hmm. And even today, I had to do a, a training today on how do you organize your courses? And so there was a teacher, I had gone into her course and I said, oh, this is amazing. So I, I, I asked, I emailed the teacher, I said, hey, can you join me at this training? And she did. And she's a new teacher too, like mm-hmm. fresh, brand new, just graduated in May teacher. Wow. But I loved how she organized her course and how she had her instruction in there. And so she connected her laptop to the, proje- to the projector. And the teachers who were in 
uh, the training, they saw her course. It wasn't me mm-hmm. talking again. <laughs> it was her course. And she was talking them through about, okay, this is what it looks like. And I was explaining the difference of why her course may look differently than someone else's. I said, because she teaches self-contained. So which means she teaches all the subjects versus if you're a compartmentalized teacher, you're going to be teaching just only math or only science or only ELA. As I said, so her course is going to be organized a little differently. You see her folders right here, but everything was done so beautifully. And she was able to help other teachers. Because She was like, hey, uh, Miss Wilson, can you come here and show me? <laughs> and she was able to work with them too as well. And, and, and I kept going, teacher leader, teacher leader, teacher leader. <laughs> and so I want other teachers to take the lead. I want teachers to be those leaders, to show their colleagues, to model for them, to answer those questions as well. And so that is something that I'm we've been working on and something that I really want to do more of is giving those teachers those opportunities to be those to be those leaders so they can become go-to people uh, at their school grade level so that they see what is possible right because they see what another colleague is doing they're like oh they're doing it they're having a great time their students are engaged they're seeing results let, let me do what they're doing. Uh, it's one thing for me because, I mean, I'm coming in, I'm working with teachers, and then I roll out. But these are people they see every day. Mm-hmm. And so I I'm, I'm really want to be in the process of, again, building up those, those teacher leaders that can be that voice, that example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like... Um what we talked about earlier when you have those guest speakers, right? Just a new face. Like you said, they're saying the same things that you have said, but it's someone new. <laughs> so they get to hear from someone else. But then importantly in you know that specific school, it's someone that they could actually go to if they have other questions. They can kind of see, oh, that's someone who they identify with as, you know, my colleague here in this school or maybe this great same grade or whatever it may be. And they can see, okay, it really does does work. It makes things more streamlined or I can implement this or, you know, use this other tech. And so it becomes a little more concrete um, because educators, we, we learn too, you know, <laughs> our learning does not stop. So it's good to have um, that support again. So we can go to someone and say, I need help. <laughs> I want to do this, but I, I just don't know how. Um, Let's take another break. This is Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sanaa. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. And today I'm chatting with Dr. Will Dayenport. And we've been talking about online learning and all the great opportunities that this, you know, big, massive, quick shift to online learning has brought. You know, I think we hear um, so much negativity around online instruction. So, it's so good to hear the positives that have come, you know, out of this, you know, very unusual set of circumstances. Um, but it does kind of seem like people either like really love the online instruction or they really hate it. Um, do you have any idea why that's the case? Because people feel very strongly about it. Um, even folks who really 
have never experienced it, but people have some sort of idea about online instruction. Do you have any idea, you know, why this love hate or such strong feelings? I think it it, it has something to do with people's sort of reference point of it. Mm. You know, some people, they, what they know is face-to-face. What they're comfortable with is face-to-face. And the whole idea of on, being online can, can seem uh, impersonal. Mm-hmm. I can seem for some even call it, you know, uh, less quality, uh, but you can have uh, low quality in a face-to-face <laughs> environment as well. Uh, and I also think about, I think it's again, what do people sort of constitutes a worldview? If, like for, so if I may go off on a tangent, for example, you have some people who say, I will never do online dating because that's not how you date. You go meet somebody at a bar, you go meet somebody at work, you go meet somebody at a book club or something. It has to be a face-to-face type initial situation. But you got other folks, they're on their phone and they're doing it, you know, just like they're watching Netflix. They're like, you know, just, such a part of their life of, hey, you know, I can meet some somebody here. I mean, folks have gotten married from eHarmony and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it really depends on, you know, again, how comfortable you are with technology, your worldview of what is and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And what, and do you adapt yeah. to, to things? Like, are you one of those people who are like, I've done this forever and I'm going to die doing this. <laughs> are you one of those people who are like, Hey, I'm cool. What, what's next? Well, you know, how can I, and I do this now I'm all in on online learning. I love it, but I do understand that it is not for everyone. Mm. If you are lazy, <laughs> online learning is never for you. Mm-hmm. Now you can use parts of it in terms of a blended learning environment, meaning you're in a class when in a traditional classroom, the teacher's there, and for certain segments of instruction or remediation or assessment, the teacher can put you on a computer program or software, how you do something. But you're under the guise and supervision of a classroom teacher in a face-to-face environment. If you cannot handle being self-directed, right? you're going to get in some troubles in an online environment because you have to show up on time for the Zoom Mm -hmm. and you have to do the work when you're not on Zoom and turn it in. And so it's not for everybody. You know, even as an adult, if you can't self-regulate very well as an adult at the university level, that online class is going to be a problem Mm -hmm. for you, right? So- uh, it's not for everyone. And I'm, even though that I'm all in on this, my philosophy is I am w- for whatever works best for the student. Yeah. And if the student will excel in a face-to-face environment, you go that you do that. But if the online environment is what allows them to shine and be their best, then I want them to have an online option. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that student centered approach, you know, that we can have a range of tools that will allow us to meet our students where they are, but support them in the type of learning that is going to be best for them and not as educators be stuck in a, you know, one size fits all type of approach. Uh, I think that's so important. Um, you mentioned, you know, sometimes people think, well, this is how I did it. This is how it should be done, or this is how it's quote unquote, always been been done. So, you know, why should we change? But, you know, we have all these different tools at our disposal, you know, why not use them and use them to the best of our ability. And I think some of the reasons that you mentioned why people are kind of against or skeptical about online instruction, because they think it's impersonal or that it's low quality, you know, through our conversation, I think, Hopefully folks have, you know, seen that that's not true, that online instruction is very personal. It can actually be even more tailored to students and a diverse group of student needs um, and can be very much high quality. It's just a different mode of instruction um, that folks might not be used to, uh, but we have to kind of get out of that nostalgia sometimes for, oh, this, you know, how this used to be and, you know, it was so great. because, you know, sometimes it wasn't that great. <laughs> it was just what we, you know, were used to. It was just the norm. And so this is an opportunity to create, you know, a new norm. Um, and thinking about that, you know, we do have an opportunity right now with, you know, all these different changes and disruptions to, to reimagine education, to institute you know, what might be the new norm. Is there anything that you wish that we were doing um, in this time to really make some exciting changes to education or to, you know, instruction? Yes, I would like for us to become, as you said earlier, more student-centered, more personalized learning, more options for students. So you can have a, literally, you could have a kid in the third grade who is reading at a fifth grade reading level, but still when it comes to, let's say uh, math, they're still at a third grade level. Now, normally what would happen a lot of times, that kid is gonna be bored in an ELA class. Mm, yeah. Right? Uh, because that teacher, can, that teacher could accelerate that student, but more often than not, they're not going to do so to the benefit of that student. But when you have, let's say, an online option where that kid could actually join a fifth grade ELA class, Mm. right, that could meet them where they are and accelerate them. Awesome. You know, a way to do away from grade levels, which, by the way, people, a lot of these grade levels are just set up because by age, Mm. you know, let's be be real. No wonder one grade level, all number 10th graders in there. Right. Mm -hmm. So they set it up that way. And to be able to erase those boundaries of not whether it's an age level, but where are you intellectually? Mm-hmm. You know, where is your curiosity level? Where can you, your ability to actually do the work? So I would love to be, love to be able to do that. As, as well as, again, we have school districts, whether they're urban or rural, where they may not have access to an AP teacher at that school, but via online, they could possibly join an AP class at, a, at another school district uh, in a neighboring state or even in the same city. So 
giving students, allowing students to have that access that they may not be able to have in their school, to me is another option of having students be able to have that flexibility, as well as let's say you're a student who you, you have to work to help uh, put food on the table for your family. If it could be set up to where you could physically face-to-face go to class, maybe three days a week, work two days, all you know, but have that online component where you can get your classes, where you could still uh, keep up with, with your learning, that would be awesome. Or if you're a student who you're like, wow, I have a child I need to take care of. So instead of them, you know, possibly dropping out, having options to wear or have, you know, some schools uh, have nice schools. I'm in, I'm in Mississippi. I don't know of any nice school uh, mm-hmm. programs that we have, but having an opportunity for that student to possibly, again, uh, provide the, the, the care maybe in the daytime and then at night where maybe they have a parent or some help, they can actually go to school at night online or what have you. I think, again, having different models, having the flexibility, having just various options the way kids can learn the way they need to learn, how they need to learn, I think would be awesome because what I love about online learning, it's anywhere, anytime, any place, any device. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be our approach to education. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, when I was just listening to you, you know, what came to mind was having this opportunity right now to really, you know, redefine these boundaries, these arbitrary boundaries um, and, you know, do away with them, redefine them or just rethink kind of grade levels and how we're evaluating students um, and really creating new opportunities for students. And that makes me excited because I think oftentimes education can get a little rigid when we're, we're really committed to some of Um, these older kind of standards, or again, oh, this is the way we've always done it. So therefore, (laughs) we'll continue to do it, even if it's not really helpful, um, even if it's not responsive to kind of student needs or student interests in the in the present moment. So I'm really excited about the possible new opportunities or new ways that we can think about education for our students. I think about it in the same way, like now that everyone has been used to being, you know, on Zoom, it's not out of the ordinary to have a guest speaker via Zoom, whereas typically we would have thought, oh, guest speakers have to be in person, or, you know, it's not unusual to connect just with someone um, and network via Zoom um, versus, again, having to wait until you might run across someone in person or go to a conference or, you know, whatever the case may be. So in some ways, there are definitely, you know, a lot of opportunities opportunities if we are willing you know to take them and potentially even ruffle some feathers in the process Uh, Dr. Will, I know we are about at the end of our time this morning, but I wanted to give you an opportunity um, to say any closing thoughts or even anything you're hopeful about as we, you know, finish out this school year. Seems like it's so, so much farther to go. <laughs> it is. It is. I was commenting on a, uh, a teacher today as I was walking in uh, to do my, my my session after school was like, I can't believe it's only September. Uh, because of all of the work that we've been doing. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that we really do take this opportunity 
to reimagine what is possible. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm 47 years old. I grew up with once video became, I guess, what it is, because I was born before video was at, at people's homes. But when video became sort of the mainstream and then you would have these like mom and pop shows pop up, but then Blockbuster came and people were so excited. I was like, oh man, let's have a Blockbuster night. <laughs> and when Netflix came and streaming became possible and now we have streaming everywhere, that has not only changed how people uh, view content and interact with content, but now you're having platforms like Disney Plus, like Hulu, you know, like Netflix creating original programming for new creatives and new artists and new, new actors. And so they're just providing another platform for new art to be created and delivered. And when I see that, I'm looking at education and I'm going, why can't we again reimagine what the purpose of school is for and how we can use all the tools of our, as our disposal to create the type of school system learning environment that kids wake up in the morning and they're excited for school where they're not like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait till dry drop out. Uh, but really going like, oh, this is amazing, man. I get to study this. I get to do that in my classroom. We're creating videos. Uh, one of my teachers, we, we, we have to create a YouTube channel, man. I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm hoping that we take this time to really sit back and just push the envelope and just not get caught up in what has been, but what could be. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Well, Dr. Will Dayenport, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I have learned so much from you today, and I know our listeners have as well. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sanaa. I appreciate it. This has been Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I know I learned so much from our conversation this morning and really got me excited about thinking about um, new tools to use in my classroom. And I hope for folks who maybe have been skeptical about online instruction, that this eased some of your fears and got you excited too about online learning. The great thing about online instruction is that you really have the opportunity opportunity to learn anything you want. There are so many online courses available for folks to take for free um, so that you can really, you know, pique some of your own interests and kind of explore topics that maybe you didn't have a chance to do so formally. So for today's positive note, I just wanted to leave you with this quote that says, education is not a problem education is an opportunity. And I think that's really what we talked about today, this great opportunity that we have right now to reimagine education, to reimagine the type of instruction that's happening, not just through K through 12, but also on the college level as well. Well, this is Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sanaa, and every Monday morning, you can join me here. I can't wait to have you back next Monday morning.